Choate next hour. We'll be right back. And now, live from the studios of Freedom's Phoenix, Ernest Hancock. Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us. But if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember. I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have bought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! Let us make them remember. We are not Jay's daughter, Cypress, is in saying, yo, what's up? And she can see the screen, and we're looking at, we're looking at, we're looking at Tempachote. Tempachote, he's there. And my daughter, so, yeah. And your daughter, <laughs> hello. Is that Summer? She can't, no, it's Bria. I've got headphones Bria. in, so she can't hear you say oh, hello, okay. so. Hello. All right, the, um, uh, we're going to talk the Liberty Report, you know, uh, LibertyAdvisor.com, LibertyAdvisor.com. Now, we're not doing streaming, but we got them on Zoom here. We got, like, stuff. We got a smaller version of a small version of we're doing the audio, small version stuff. But, you know, uh, this is good information, especially a day after. I, I stopped paying attention after it dropped, like, 1,200 points on the Dow. I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's a Tuesday. I don't care. It's, uh, just my silver does better. So I, I, I looked at that and I go, yep, you know, here we go. And I don't even think this is it. I mean, when it drops like 8,000 points or something, 10,000, zero, I, you know, I, you know, maybe I'll, I'll care, but something is happening. Tim, what happened? Well, nowadays you can't even have it drop 8,000 points because they have all these different circuit breakers and things they do to manipulate the market. And you'd have the plunge protection team come in, but you know, essentially the government, is not willing to endure any short-term pain and everything and anything. So they're going to end up making this problem a lot bigger. And so, you know, what you're having now is people buying into this narrative that, you know, we've got a V-shaped recovery and things were really were great. And we just, you know, turned off this rip roaring economy. And now uh, all we need to do is turn the dial back on, get the economy open back up. And uh, back to business as usual. And so off the backs of that, I mean, what I'm thinking is going yeah, on. Yeah, $28 trillion is, in debt doesn't matter. Yeah, that took like, what, like 35 days to add that extra trillion dollars. I mean, it, it was, I mean, I would say only like under Obama, it was taking like 11 to 14 months for every trillion, only 11 months. And now it's 35 days. And I think Mnuchin came out uh, maybe yesterday or the day before and said something to the effect of, yeah, we're ready for, you know, basically to put another trillion dollars in, you know, essentially to support the stock market. And as part of my Anarchapoco speech, which I hate, you know, keep bringing this up, but that has so many relevant things in that talk that I did talk about, uh, you know, I did talk about some different tweets they were putting out in, in January where they were calling people like you and me QE conspiracists and what that meant was that we were people who were 
crazy enough to think that there is a correlation between the Federal Reserve money printing and the stock market. And they were, it was, it was funny because that's the well, media. Well, you, you know you're right when they call you a conspiracy now. <laughs> And this was, and it, and it was Neil Kashikari, who was actually the Minneapolis Fed president, which, you know, it's fitting that all this, you know, riots were getting kicked off in Minneapolis. But yeah, it was him and then Bill Dudley, the, uh, the former New York Fed chair, were both calling people conspiracy theorists for, you know, insinuating this. And now, I mean, one of the craziest stories I see right now is that Hertz rental car, which, uh, you know, is bankrupt. Now, there's a few crazy sides of the story one is that the federal reserve had bought indirectly bought their bonds uh through buying some of the etfs so this is the fed buying now it's technically i guess not the fed it's some other bs uh investment vehicle that they set up but yeah it's the fed coming in well they did a bunch of these i remember when they you know oh no the fed doesn't buy treasuries that would be wrong or illegal or something they kept saying they didn't i'm like then who the hell is this directly from the from the fed so what they do is they allow their friends to front run them so then that way their friends make a whole bunch of money first Uh, and so goldman sachs and and morgan stanley and bank of america they'll buy the bonds first and then then sell them for more money to the federal reserve and it's like and even that in and of itself is uh, you know, basically a secret bailout of the banks. And my daughter's telling me, shh, because she's on her iPad playing uh, some Kitopia learning <laughs> game. But, uh. Well, no, I remember when they were doing uh, all of this, it was um, uh, Cayman Islands of somebody of a, another shell company of the blah, blah, blah. And they had the actual initial auction for the 10-year treasury or the 30-year or whatever, and nobody bought them. And then they were gone the next day. You know, and I'm going... That smells like Fed to me. Nope, nope, nope. That they're not. Of course, you know they're yeah, full of like, crap. It was like Belgium that bought it or some crap like that too, supposedly. <laughs> okay, well, Jay wants to inject. Go ahead and finish what you were saying. Me or Jay? Okay, well, you know, if you're done, all right, Jay, go. Yeah. So it's early here, so yeah. I'm... So you're talking about like how Hertz rental car gets like bought up essentially by you know money just created out of nothing, you know, instantly. So, like, what I'm dealing with is, like, this guy that had 4,000 hogs that he had to gas. And they're not his hogs. You know, this Pennsylvania hog farmer, he raised them for Tyson. So how do we figure out if Tyson and Purdue and all these major, like, uh, packers, you know, JBS, uh, that are, you know, having to kill cows and hogs and chickens and whatnot, how do we figure out if there's, a like, a, a money line coming from the printing press to those guys? Or, or I shouldn't say how, because you may know how, but... Uh, is that something you could look at? Is that something that could be done? Because, you know, in the stock market, there's like this, you know, you understand the catastrophic uh, uh, things that happen when all this craziness happens. But in the actual livestock market, the meat market, well, they just euthanize 2 million chickens or they euthanize 4,000 hogs at one farm. And that's just one guy. So I don't even know how many hogs they euthanize. I've, I've heard all kinds of different numbers. Um, so basically they destroy meat. And they just pay everybody with fiat money when they destroy the meat, either where it's through insurance or, but, you know, it get, everybody's getting paid. Yeah, I mean, if you actually, uh, I mean, I, I just woke up too, but if you go to the Drudge Report, uh, like the very top middle link says, secrets, administration won't say who got $511 billion in taxpayer-backed virus bailouts. And, uh, and, and so they're not even letting people know where this money went. Oh, went hell, like they know. 
It was just, yeah. you know, they didn't know. That was the whole point. They didn't want to know. Pelosi is like, eh, go pay off our buddies. That's who. And one of the biggest financial advisory firms there are. So if you if you take a look at, like, influential financial advisors, uh, at least from, like, a blocking standpoint, uh, risk holds wealth management, I believe, it, it holds the number one spot. And they even tapped out bailout funds as part of this. And so did this other firm, like uh, Creative Financial Planning, which is uh, Tony Robbins, uh, uh, you know, his outlet. So you got these multi-billion dollar firms uh, getting all this stuff. You also have uh, what's uh, – oh, man, I forgot where I was going. It's still, still early here. All right, I want to do, I wanna do this, uh, this Hertz thing so people understand what's going on. Donna, put this up. Oh, that's only – we've only gotten through half of the story of Hertz because the other half – of the story is that now that Hertz is in bankruptcy and you got all these traders on Robinhood, which is like, I, I've never been on there, but I guess it's like an app that makes it super easy. And, and a lot of like, actually like kids are on this app. And now there's stories of kids who are delaying, who, who aren't playing their Fortnite video game during the day because now they're, there's like 10 year olds day trading these bankrupt companies. And so you took a bankrupt Hertz, the stock absolutely, you know, went through the roof in bankruptcy because of, of all these Robinhood speculating on this, and now Hertz, which is in bankruptcy, is trying to offer a billion dollars worth of common stock to sell to all these idiot retail investors, uh, and they're and the people are dubbing this an initial bankruptcy offering, and so they're going to try to get themselves out of bankruptcy by having by issuing stock to the sheeple. When just literally like three weeks ago, I think it was the largest uh, ever exodus of money from high net worth institutional investors going basically out of the market. So you're saying the shoe shine boy and the video game player kids are buying stock. It's time to get out. Is that what you're saying? Is that what yeah, you're saying? I mean, yeah. When we come back, the most absurd moment in the history of capital market. To be a part of the show, call 602-264-2800. 602-264-2800. And now, Ernest Hancock. And Tim Pachot and Jay Noon. We're in the doom now. we got the bus being painted. Uh, we, he said Wednesday night. You know, pinky swear, couldn't get it Wednesday night. So we'll see. Um, we got a bunch of stuff to do. And I, I tell you what I need now. I, I got some people we're interviewing and talking to, but I need a social media person. You know, Tim, you got social media people you're going to share? You got something worked out? What are you doing? Uh, I mean, not yet. Not to what I what I wanted. I know we were talking about something, but you know that guy uh, has been hit or miss. So we'll see what's. Yeah, uh, no, I need, I need, uh, I need. I'm willing to pay, but I mean, hey, hello, people, Free State Project. You know, you, you somebody social guy. No, I don't mean. Well, I know how to tweet. No, no, I need some social media. Got their crap together. You know, so that's it's a full time job. Yeah, I, I need, you know, Donna's like, eh, uh, uh, not me. So, you know, and uh, so that we need that position. It's a, it's a paying gig. So we'll, uh, we'll keep working on it. I'm sure we'll come up with at least get the word out really good at Porkfest, Workfest. So we'll see what's up. Now, um, you know, Tim was saying on there and he goes, the market's so bad, it hurts. I go, oh, that's good. And then Jay comes up with, you know, the, you know, got hurts pain frequency and we got, I mean, this thing hurts is full of memes, man. I just feel this coming. There's going to be a bunch. They're at fifty percent right now on the day. What the hell? This is bankrupt, right? This is hurts their is, car rentals not being done. They're liquidating stock. They're you know kind of going into bankruptcy, and the stock goes up. So I need to know about this 
Robinhood thing. What the hell are you talking about? There's an app that somebody can just go in and trade stocks. So you got video game and ten year olds uh, making stock trades. What what are you talking about? Yeah, I've never been on there, but apparently it's a very easy platform where you can just go on, sort of like a Coinbase. Hey, somewhere I'm on the phone. Where you can go on and uh, it's like a marble just fly at me. Like, where'd that come from? But here's here's Summer. <laughs> Hi, Summer. But anyways, uh, yeah, it's this app that makes it, I guess, really easy to go buy stock. And you've got all these kids who've, you know, never been through, you know, a 2008 or really been through anything before who think that, you know, everything is so easy and everyone's just chasing these momentum plays and nobody cares about valuations and all anybody cares about is, you know, is the Fed going to print more money or not? And so you have Hertz, which, you know, at one point was trading for like 20 bucks, you know, a few months ago, got down to 40 cents. And then they, then they were uh, going bankrupt and went bankrupt. And as they're going bankrupt, you had all these kids who are now in retail investors, uh, the sheeple piling into the stock. And, uh, you know, if you want to take some of your money and use it to speculate and gamble and you can do that, then fine, you know, you know, more power to you. But, you know, I'm sure there's people who are putting in, you know, way too much money, uh, you know, into these. Which, you know, pretty well, much what's her stock at now? Th- three bucks. So it's up a dollar today. So it was up 54 cents. So it went from 40 cents. Which I mean, usually. So this is penny stock stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And then so now what they're saying is, oh, we want to sell a billion dollars worth of stock to the same sheeple. Are they still on the exchange? Are they in the Dow or what? I mean, they're not. They're not in the Dow. The Dow is only like thirty. Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, they they get listed, they get unlisted. See, that was one thing that kind of surprised me. The um, Dow Jones Industrial, which don't mean nothing, is only 30 companies. And by the time I started paying attention, when I started doing radio in the mid-2000s, all of a sudden I found out that in the last decade, there's only a few of the original 30 from the time that I've looked. You know, it just keeps changing. So the Dow number don't mean squat. It, it's different companies at different times with different inflations. Why are we even looking at it? Who gives a crap? And the Dow is, is actually, in terms of how it's measured, Summer, Dave's on the phone. So, so it's actually a lot different how they measure the Dow versus how they even measure like the S&P 500. And the S&P 500, be, how they measure that is, is much, uh, basically a lot smarter. And so the Dow, they do something called, I think it's a price-weighted average, whereas the S&P is a market-weighted average. So if you have a stock that's, let's say trading at $5, which you know probably wouldn't be in the Dow, but let's say it was trading at $5 and it goes up to $10, that's a, you know, they've doubled their stock price. So in the S&P 500, it would reflect that that stock went up, you know, doubled. Whereas in the um, Dow, it would only reflect it went up five points. And so it skews it to these stocks that have higher, uh, now they're not, they split or do something like that. There's certain ways that they, you know, track that stuff as well. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's just, it's really, it's just sort of like that's what, it, you know, what people got accustomed to hearing and that's what people got accustomed to, you know, hear, you know, reading in the papers back in 1890. And so it's just become a thing. And that's, and because it's a thing, there's a lot of psychology that derives off of that. And now people, people play off of that. But yeah, it's, it's even stupid and, and, and so many different levels. Like you just mentioned, it's all different companies basically. Uh, there's pretty much it's a Dow Jones industrial average. There's pretty much no industrial stocks even in there. It's all you know financial services firms and you know different money changers and things like that. Girls, I moved down here to be away from you guys. I know. Tim's Tim's walking around the house trying to get away from the kids yelling at him. 
Yeah, they, keep, yeah, they, keep, they keep like running down here and telling me to be quiet, and I'm going upstairs. So first, I was upstairs. Okay. The um, that's yeah, all right. It's a family show. We got family. We got Cypress. We got you know um, uh, Summer. And now, I'm sorry, Jane's Brittany. What's your what's your other daughter? Da- what's your other daughter's name, Brittany? Brielle. 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 The um. So this is you know what's interesting about having young children and I you know grandkids and kids is that uh, all this stuff buzzing around them, they don't have a clue. They don't care. They know, I, yeah, I remember there was like uh, turmoils. Because when I was a kid, when I was young, was during all the civil rights movement. You know, what was all around me was the civil rights stuff. And now it's like, it's like, it's back. You know, it's, but it's, this time it's way more politicized and manufactured. And it's not where before it was uh, everybody, Martin Luther King wore their uh, best Sunday go to meeting uh, clothes and they would march peacefully. And then, you, of course, they'd come out with the fire hoses and the dogs and all this kind. Of, and now it's it's not as sympathetic, but it is pandered to so much. And then you have the economics that I've gone through several phases of this. And it, it's just gotten to where. It's easier to just say or promote something on some media channel or it's a number that they want to, you know, cite. And, and I just – it's so superficial. It doesn't really mean the same or anything now. It's, it's manufactured. It's like they, they want to get the band back together. You know, they're just, they're just making it up as they go along. So what's real? You know, what, what is really – I mean, we got enormous debt. We got the world saying the dollar sucks and we're going to abandon. We got, I mean, what's real, Tim? What, what do we, should we really be looking at? <sighs> I mean, it seems like the only thing people care about these days is, uh, you know, what the feds, how much money the feds going to print. You've got guys like, uh, you know, Mohammed Al Arian, who is the former, well, we got two of the biggest bond fund people in the world basically talking about how bad bonds are. Uh, so Jeffrey Gundelock of Double Line Investments is, uh, you know, he's known as the bond king. The former bond king was Bill Gross, and his partner was Mohammed El Arian over at PIMCO, which now is, uh, now he runs Allianz, which uh, owns PIMCO. So these are two of the, and both of them, you know, are echoing things like uh, Gundelock saying basically buy gold. And here he is, like the most like renowned bond fund manager there is in the world. And then you've got Ali Arian who's saying, listen, the only people, reason people are getting into the market is because they know the Fed's going to print money. But it's a very dangerous game buying things solely off the fact that you think they're going to get bailed out. Yeah, we'll be back in just so we're going into break with Tim Pachot, the LibertyAdvisor.com. You know what this reminds me of? Greece. This was, uh, what was it, MF Global or something where Salente got nailed. They were counting on the bailout. Freedom's the answer. I guess we're What's not the back question? Yet. You're listening to Ernest Hancock. And we're back with Tim Pachote, the LibertyAdvisor.com. Yes, one thing we need to somehow do to where you can hear the rejoin. But, you know, that's, a, that's another a thing on the list, you know, for all the stuff that we're doing. The, um, we're talking about uh, the economy and so on. And, and I remember when this happened. We had Gerald Salente on right when after this happened we have him on a regular basis time to get him on again but everything that he's predict we predict we predict is happening so it's not like what we're going to do predict what's happening i mean um so future trends is what he does and salente had purchased a bunch of gold on the futures market and he got a good deal so he you know and and, and of course it has big giant long contracts of online if i totally agreed 
and he buys it, and then all of a sudden, when the contract comes due, they want you. To, oh, you you buy another one, or you do you take your profits and cash, or you do it. No, I want I want to exercise the contract. I want the gold. I got a good deal on it. It's going to go. Give me my gold. Well, what happened was he uh, it goes into the contract. I think it was MF Global, right? It was you know. So it goes into yeah. MF Global, and all of a sudden it was gone. Well, this is Jamie Dimon, I think, right? So Jamie Dimon. No, it's, no, it's John Corzine. Oh, John Corzine. John Corzine. Okay. So John Corzine. Yeah. Former Goldman Sachs CEO and I believe a former senator out of New Jersey and I think a former governor of New Jersey, I believe. Wow. Triple scumbag. Okay. So triple scumbag Corzine. Um, MF Global, they take the money and then they invested it into Greece bonds. Now, the idea was is that the European Union, the European Central Bank, was going to bail out Greece or something, but they had, which I think they eventually did one way or another, but, you know, they had to do it by a certain time, you know, or they lost all of their marbles. Well, they did. And all of a sudden, Salente didn't have anything to do with that. He just invested, you know, MF Global to buy futures on gold. And then all of a sudden, his money went I mean, away. He wasn't even. He was in another company that then got bought out by MF Global, and he didn't even realize it was like MF Global when he was in it because it was some other old school company. That got oh, really? Out. It's even double yeah. worse. All right, all right. Yeah. So, but this is how the financial system worked. And of course, Corzine, being Senator Governor Goldman Sucks dot com scumbag, you know what they did is in there, and I, I called Charles Goyette because he's all Mister Money guy, and I said, what? just happened i don't i don't even understand what happened and he goes ernie you need to learn rehypothecation right he goes you need to learn a new word i go what word's that rehypothecation okay and i'm going what the hell is that he goes look it up so i went and looked it up and what it is is mf global when you put money with them or they buy a company that had a bunch of money and they knew they were going to do this they have the ability to use your deposits as collateral on their investments now, that was illegal in the U.S. or still is or is going to be or something, but it wasn't. Well, now in- your deposits at the bank now are now the collateral of the bank. Yeah, no, because no, this was in the United Kingdom. It was legal to do this. So they did it. And now after they screwed everybody, ooh, that's a good way to rip off people. Let's, let's make it legal in America again or something. So this is – so Salente is just pissed. I go, hey, man, did you totally agree to your iTunes contract? You know, I totally agree. You know, a human I sent iPad. I mean, you know, this is, and all the little fine print was that, yep, he totally agreed to this or agreed to somebody buying it to be able to do it. It's the biggest. So he was out, I don't know, it was hundreds of thousands of dollars at least. You know, so this is what's going on. And, and it was all gambled on Greece. Anybody else get nailed on that deal? Yeah, a guy by the name of like Mark Benavinsky or something like that, who happens to be the son-in-law of Hillary Clinton, married to Chelsea Clinton, and I think his firm it was like this is off memory right now. It's like Eagle Asset Management or something like that, and I believe they were down like ninety-five percent of all their client assets. So you know, shedding a tear for the Clinton family over here. No, I'm sure they came out okay. You know, I mean, if we talk about people getting wiped out, I mean, no better people to happen to than the, uh, you know, someone related to the Clintons and uh, former CEO of Goldman Sachs. But, you know, but the thing is, I mean, he never had to take a perp walk. Talking about John Corzine for this, never got in any trouble, never, 
basically faced any. I doubt he had to sell his assets to cover his losses. And now he's probably looking at what's going on. He's like, oh, and now he's like, oh, crap, look at this. Like, if, if this would have happened, uh, you know, years ago, he would have gotten bailed out. And so if you had bought Hertz bonds a year or two ago speculating on it, oh, you got paid out 100 cents of the dollar because the Federal Reserve came in and bought the bonds. And so, I mean, it's just Well, aren't they doing that now? They're buying some ETFs. Yeah. What the hell is that about? Electronic uh Traded. Traded funds. Exchange-traded funds. Uh, whatever it is. Okay, so exchange-traded funds is not a real asset. It's kind of like a derivative. It, it's based on the value of something. That's not even really the asset, is it? Well, it can be a derivative or it can be an asset that's made up of other assets. But effectively what it is, long story short for the listeners, is you'll, they come in many different flavors. So you might have one that's all the technology stocks. You might have one that's all the country of Japan. Or you might have one that's all the large cap stocks. Or one that's all the mid cap stocks. So instead of going in and buying up you know, individual stocks and, and trying to pick out which ones you think are best, you just buy the entire basket of whatever basket it is. And some of them do it based off the average. So if, you know, if Apple's 2% of the S&P, then they'll put 2% of it into their large cap stock other ones at certain metrics that they use but effectively you are indiscriminately just going out there and buying up everything so if you are an investment grade bond fund most of the time what you're doing is you're if xyz company is 0.01 percent of the corporate bond market then you have to have 0.01 percent in your exchange traded fund now this was also in my anarchopoco talk from this year where i said listen a big catalyst for what's going to happen during this next next black swan event is eventually coming, which I didn't realize it was coming like 10 days later was that, uh, the corporate bonds right now, if you are a triple, you know, a, or, or it goes all the way down to triple B is investment grade bonds. So triple A, double A, a triple B, those are all investment grade bonds. Now, if you go from triple B down to double B, now you're not investment grade. Now you're in now what they call high yield, which is euphemism for junk. And so if you are junk bond, you cannot be in a high, in a investment grade bond fund. So then that will then create forced selling, which will then create more forced selling, which will then create an avalanche and have the entire thing implode because historically about 20 to 40 percent of the triple B bonds end up going into junk status. Half of the investment grade bonds are triple B. And this literally word for word what I was talking about in February in the presentation, slides and graphs and showing all this shit. Oh, sorry. Of what's, of what's going on. And and then the Fed came out and started buying up the junk bond funds and then they were then using the company BlackRock which you know is one of the or is the largest asset manager in the world I think they're managing like six and a half trillion which at one whoa. point I'm not sure what it is now whoa six and a half trillion so they manage like all the government pensions and like all the uh yeah they are like oh, the largest I, 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 that tells me everything they're right called BlackRock I mean they're very Illuminati symbolism and, and that name too I mean, at least it's not called like Black Cube. But there's another investment firm called Black Cube, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so and an Israeli private intelligence firm that I think Harvey Weinstein hired called Black Cube to then intimidate the women that were testifying against him. But uh, it's crazy. I mean, I'm like just woke up. And I'm like, I'm not pulling out all this crap. I okay, well, scared. so BlackRock, um, they oh, it's six trillion dollars. Damn, and it's all the pensions and everything. So then they uh, go into yeah, they, these. They manage money for like the U.S. government pension is run through BlackRock, and now BlackRock has a high yield fund, and they get to sell their high yield junk bond fund to the Federal Reserve, and then get a commission for being the broker for offloading their bullshit to the Federal Reserve. 
I mean, if this at a dollar for dollar. Yeah, it actually is probably stuff that they bought even lower. It rose in value. As oh the my bonds. god! It, this is a, a bank robbery of just epic proportions. And Larry Fink is the CEO of it. Is one of the guys who basically uh, pioneers in these collateralized loan obligations and uh, like. I'm not sure if credit defaults, but okay. All right, you want some milk, baby? Okay, yeah. So I'm gonna go downstairs now. You know, my kids are up here. I want me to get the milk. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it is so outrageous what has been allowed to go on. And then I was on someone else's podcast, a very mainline, not anarchist type podcast. And then there was two other Forbes writers there, uh, and I just lit, I just lit these women up like you wouldn't believe. Uh, this is so every stuff. we're coming going into break. Got to take care of some kid milk, and we'll be right back with Temperature Liberty Advisor. There are those that just want to be left alone, and those that just won't leave them alone. Which one are you? The Ernest Hancock Show. With Tim Pachote, the LibertyAdvisor.com. You know, one thing we should talk about is uh, I got in on the tail end because um, Tim um, uh, finangled the appearance, whatever it was, it was a influencer talk show host big dozens of was it just amongst themselves or did they have audiences tuning in also uh, i think a few people were streaming it out a lot i think like jason Burmis may have been streaming it out um and a lot of people posted it after the fact on channels so i posted it on my uh liberty advisor youtube page and on my podcast feed and now i have my youtube page that's going to be mirrored with uh, library TV. So, you know, after hearing Jeremy Kaufman on your show for four years, I decided to finally take the plunge and go on library TV because I was so pissed off with BitChute and how uh, I was pissed off. I just, I just got <laughs> sick of all their BS and uh, just stopped uploading there because, you know, I don't, I don't have time to, uh, you know, screw around with, you know, eight days to upload a video or, you know, have the. Well, you know, that's one thing. Well, tell the people what this group was real quick. And and that's one thing I asked them at the end. I go, any of you guys, what are you guys loading up to? And it's all YouTube stuff, Facebook. I was kind of crying. go, whoa. I mean, anything else? And they go, well, bitch, you, this. I go, well, is anybody else able to? I got three hours a day I got to do. That takes freaking forever. You know, it's like the next day by the time it gets up. Oh, this this is a, a crowd that was, you know, living high on, you know, YouTube and doing all the mainline stuff. And, you know, now they're starting to see themselves getting kicked off of all these platforms. And if they're not kicked off, getting all their income taken away. And then if not that, then they're getting hit with all these copyright stuff or this or this or that or all this BS. And, there, and then for guys like Josh, I mean, even though now he's not Josh really making Se- any money. Josh Segerson, World Alternative Media. Yeah, thank you for that. And so even guys like him now, he, I mean, his main thing and my, even my main thing for me is, you know, it's just trying to reach the people. And so we can't even reach the people. Uh, my daughter listening and all this stuff. So we can't even reach the people now because, you know, they, they, you know some algorithm has said that we're uh, unwanted. So actually what we're called, I mean, I didn't make this up, but, but that podcast, we're calling this the, uh, and I, I don't even like using this word union, but they call it the union of the unwanted. So they call it the, the union of the unwanted, unwanted podcast uh, where, I don't know, there's probably like 28 different, you know, somewhat influential. I mean, I'm, you know, probably one of the, I'm probably like the least well-known person. that was Well, start there, rattling so. off some of the guys that were on. I mean, you had Ben Swan, uh, James Corbett, 
Luke Radowski, Josh Segerson, Jason Burmis, uh, Sam Tripoli of the Tinfoil Hat Podcast, which, uh, you know, and then, and then some of his, Sam's other friends who are more like in the truth, uh, I guess, uh, conspiracy realm. Uh, and there's some other people who are big time people who I didn't, I wasn't even aware of, but there's, you know, oh, this person's got, you know, 200,000 YouTube Twitter, Facebook subscribers, and well, people, uh, people I mean, you know, some it, of but. them contacted me after I did my spiel. Uh, I'll, uh, Donna said we'll be starting to do them next week because we got the bus in being painted, so I'm not going to have the studio back to me until next Thursday. But um, it's uh, they say, but the um, you know, you go from the big studio into the little studio, and now I'm at a card table at Jay's Dome. <laughs> <laughs> and this Comrex thing, I, hell, I can put it on my hip and walk out with a Wi-Fi. I've got, my, and I've got like a full studio upstairs, and I'm on my cell phone right now. So yeah, right, you know, so <laughs> we got skills. You know, the thing is, is that um, these were a lot of guys that a year ago, a year and a half ago, we had been warning this was going to happen. And uh, while Corbett was on there, of course, he was talking about, you know, his experience with IPFS and, you know, and I came up and you were talking to him. So it's like, hey, well, let's get Ernie on. And uh, we were eating dinner. Well, you know, nobody actually said that. Hey, I, I brought you up and then I then just gave you an invite without asking anybody. So. Ah, there you go. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. The um, Well, they were talking about IPFS. Well, of course, you know, you know, we need to talk to the guy doing it. So um, when – I went on and Jay was there. We we're talking about the solution. You know, Jay is like feeding the Free State Project. He's he's out getting you know uh, cows and pigs and slaughterhouse building and doing and kind of man, they're here, we're taking care of business. And these guys were still, you could tell, they were totally oblivious. They were infatuated by the IPFS thing that even existed, and they were looking it up. Wow, this is cool. Where does this come from? And they had not even looked at alternatives to the main platforms. That That's what surprised me. I go, what did you think was going to happen? And then I go, let's just build a website. We all get on the same website. And then, oh, do we use, you know, uh, Microsoft Cloud or do we use Amazon Cloud? I'm like, they're going to – I'm like, if we oh, if you get, like, all the biggest people and, and me somehow, like, do you think that they're not going to go and target that website first? Like, like, remember what happened with Gab, where yep. people were like, oh, well, this, you don't like Facebook, just build your own, just build your own, and you build your own, and then Microsoft Azure Cloud is like, oh, well, you guys had, you know, the you know, the only when I asked there. the guys, I, I said, which one are you got? How do you use? What do you put? He goes, oh, and only one guy had any kind of solution, but it was, he goes, well, I put my files up on Dropbox for my subscribers to download. Dropbox, that's your solution. You know, <laughs> I, I, you guys are killing me, and I know. Um, Corbett has, you know, that's why I'm so supportive of Corbett and cause he understood this was coming. Of course it was coming. So he puts, uh, stores his stuff as MP4 on his site. Now he'll use these other platforms just cause as long as they'll let them. But, uh, it was obvious what was coming. And now Corbett, uh, we had him on Monday or Tuesday and he said that, the recommendations from YouTube are starting to recommend him in the sidebars again, you know, his different videos. Now, not to him, but, you know, some of the his subscribers and so on. I, I don't I don't trust him. I don't trust any of these platforms. I don't trust any. And, and, and if we're not looking for alternatives, these guys are just going to be, you know, uh, has-beens and roadkill. 
and I could feel it from them. And I was very excited. I go, look, I'm glad I got to talk to all you guys. I'm glad you got exposed to this. Thank you, Tim, for you know, you know, putting me up and come on and do it. And they were appreciative. They were at the solution stage. But I'm going, the fact that it never occurred to them to even look, I'm going, they're just going to be roadkill. I, I, is any of them making the – I mean, I guess it was James was the, hopefully the most inspirational of them. Yeah, I think a lot of people were – I think James is sort of like a godfather of that group where a lot of people got inspired to do things because of work that James has put out there. And so when James came came up and started saying – talking about IPFS at a, just a super high level, you know, that gave it a lot of weight. And then I brought you up as sort of the godfather of talking about IPFS – and so that, that way, you know, since all those guys really respected James, and then I kind of gave the lead in that you, you know, have been interviewing James, you know, pretty much every week for years and years and years, and that you've got the only copy of Plandemic that, you know, to our knowledge hasn't been taken down because it's on IPFS, then, you know, I think that, I mean, everybody literally, I think after two minutes that they were talking, they were like, basically got the ax of like, hey, you need to basically kind of zip it up. But, you know, you went on like a 20 minute monologue at one point and didn't get, didn't get stopped. So apparently they liked what you had to say. And it well, was nobody told me there was a two-minute limit. That was a big mistake right there. But, the, yeah, well, it <laughs> but it was towards the, the end, the and they were kind of wanting the solution anyway. Yeah, it was so. at the end. So. Yeah, so it worked that, out. And, and I apologize. And you, I go, hey, man, and Tim didn't tell me. Actually, a lot of people have not actually thought through all these. I mean, you're so far advanced in thinking through these other next steps that, you know, like why, you know, it's, it's you know, we could already kind of skip to the end of, you know, all these other solutions are not going to work. And James – it was like, listen, I'm not going to, you know, centralize all my stuff on one website. I'm not going to do this. Or, I mean, it was, you know, good stuff that he was saying. But, you know, it's good that now that there's people who are out there thinking of this now. I mean, it's better late than never. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, eventually they're just going to make sure that we can't get our message out there at all. Yeah. And, no, it has uh, to be something like this. And I made that em- emphasize. That. I go, if they can, they will. And you're th- everything that you're talking about, they can. It may delay it a week or two or month or year, but they can. It has to be where they can't. And I'm going. I'm, I'm very interested in uh, Starlink because I need to know if Elon Musk is uh, going to have a landing pad on Mars for Space Force and whether he's going to regulate the ones and zeros on his internet. I mean, you know, I, I love what you were saying about Elon. You're like, hey, he's friends with all these tech billionaires, and what's he trying to do? He's trying to get off this planet to go to Mars, and he's also, you know, creating like an end-of-the-world Cybertruck that's like the ultimate, like, prepper vehicle. So that's what he's invested in. But, I mean, they don't want to have guys like me and you out there talking about what the game, exposing the game plan, which is to have a digital dollar. The digital dollar is going to be tied into some sort of contact tracing social credit score. And then they're going to be like, oh, well, you didn't get your vaccine. And now all of a sudden, uh, you know, you're not going to get your $2,000 a month until you can prove that you got the vaccine, uh, you know, your mark in order to be able to travel, which, I mean, it's a... Five years ago, that would not not to this audience wouldn't sound that crazy, but now it's like literally in bills talking about you know having this FedReserve.gov dollar that's uh, you know going to be used for this you know maybe a, potentially for a whole year after coronavirus. I mean, Kamala Harris is actually floating a bill to pay people ten thousand dollars a month mm. for up to. So what they'll do? Yeah, is- we're, we're at the end. This is one thing that I I wanted to make sure they understood. They're going to be doing and cutting down all this stuff if you don't have another way of getting